0: a reminder
1: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? Well, he offers many places throughout the world to give us a chance to learn that Jesus Christ is God. At Barah Ministries, we worship the one and only true God, and the Bible affirms the Lord Jesus Christ deity in Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14 which say this for the gospel concerning the grace of God has appeared to all men it has been made absolutely obvious to everyone by God the gospel that is bringing salvation to all men Titus 2 12 instructing believers in Christ to deny ungodliness. And worldly desires, the things that we were and that we had and that we were attracted to when we were unbelievers, that we abandoned, that old life and the desires, it's our choice to refuse to imitate the lives of unbelievers, and instead we live self-controlled, righteous and godly lives in this present evil age, which is not a life of perfection. It's not a life that is mistake-free. Titus 2.13. Looking with absolute confidence for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, the Lord, God the Son, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Titus 2.14. Who gave himself as a sacrifice for us at the cross to redeem us From every lawless deed, paying for all of our sins, past, present, and future, they were imputed to him and judged, and now are no longer an issue in our life, except that we love making them an issue. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession, purify for himself a people for his own possession, at the moment of your salvation, believers in Christ, the Lord imputed his own righteousness to you, which is your admission ticket to heaven. You are righteous. And that can never be reversed. It's a one-time decision by an almighty God that can never be reversed. It is your situation. Do you value it? A people zealous to do good deeds. That's us. So, that's why God the Father created Barah Ministries, to let us know that Jesus Christ is God. God the Father has provided Barah Ministries as a place for you to get to know the Lord. Now, once you know that he's God, then you get to know him. And at Barah Ministries, we make a difference by teaching the word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. John chapter 20, verse 31 gives a clear reason why ministries like Barah exist. These things written in the Bible have been written so that you may believe the truth. That Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God in human form. And that by believing in Him, you may have the resurrection life in His name. These are serious things treated as frivolous by most people in the world. When we study the Word of God, we study the Lord's exact thoughts. Proverbs chapter thirty. Verse 5 says this Every word of God communicated through the Bible proves itself to be true. The Lord is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. I take refuge in Him. In and of myself, I am nothing. In union with Christ, I am everything because that's what He made me. It's not anything that I did. Now, God has an enemy whose name is Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a period of time. And he is a deceiver who hates everyone in the world, including you and me. In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Lord says, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. He will be dethroned from ruling planet Earth at a future time. So we take heart as believers in Christ because as 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 makes clear, we believers in Christ know with absolute certainty that we are possessions of God the Father. Satan is powerless against our God, and as believers in Christ, we know Satan is powerless against us as well because nothing ever happens to us without the Lord's permission. Today's Bible lesson, Jesus Christ Asks, What are you doing with the life I gifted you? Jesus Christ asks, What are you doing with the life I gifted you? In today's lesson, you'll get to hear what was taught at the 2023 Coeur d'Alene Bible Conference. In this lesson, the Lord Jesus Christ invites you to a personal coaching session that gives you a chance to look at your whole life so that you can see if you're living the life God planned for you. You know, we only have one Sunday left in summer. I think next Sunday is September 3rd, then the next day is Labor Day, and then Labor Day is the end of summer. Memorial Day is the beginning of summer, Labor Day is the ending of summer. Not officially, but actually And that's the time when people shift out of vacation brain and go back into, okay, look down, look down, look look them in the eye, look down, look down, you'll be here till you die. We go back to the grind. So this is a chance to look at your life. And the Lord's going to give you a personal coaching session. And he's going to show you the things that he wants you to look at in your life. This is not a lesson that you want to take on the move. This is a lesson you want to get in a room by yourself with a notepad and a piece of paper. And as you listen to it, really reflect on where you're taking this life that you have because the Lord wants you to have a unique life, to live an amazing life. And the real only question is, do you have the courage to do it? And most of us don't. Most of us just want to be ducks. We... we our eagles as Christians, the most majestic bird there is. But we live in the world of ducks, and the quacking gets so loud that we want to turn into ducks when we're not ducks. So that's the lesson for today. It's a personal coaching session from the Lord. He's going to be speaking to you instead of me speaking to you. And you get a chance to evaluate your life to see if it is the life you want to live, or if it's the life you've settled for. All right, let's hear some music. It's pretty easy to get down on yourself here in Satan's kingdom. Yet, we need to remember to see ourselves as God sees us. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in union with Christ. So the question really is, how does God see you? Here's mercy me to tell us in their song how God sees us. How does he see us? He sees us as flawless. There's
0: got to be more than going back and forth. introduce you to up in righteousness
1: Has made us flawless, and we certainly don't see ourselves that way because we listen to the ducks quacking. <coughs> Eagles don't speak duck. We're flawless. According to God, let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, we thank you for your concern for our whole lives and not just for the spiritual part of our lives. We thank you for providing the Bible as a guide that shines a light on the path you expect believers in Christ to follow. We thank you for the people you bring into our lives to illuminate the truth, and we're grateful that you inspire us with the wisdom to seek your truth. Open our minds this morning to a new way of looking at our lives. Give us the courage to invest time in a different way of thinking. Inspire us, through God the Holy Spirit, to construct the lifestyle you planned for us in eternity past. Give us the courage to be unique. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, What Jesus Christ Asks, What are you doing with the life I gifted you? What are you doing... With the life that I gifted you? Well, the Lord has a question for you. What are you doing with the life I gifted you? What a great question. It will be interesting for you to hear directly from the Lord that He expects you to construct the biblical lifestyle. Now, as a pastor, my primary concern is for your spiritual life, but a bigger concern is for your whole life. It's my hope that as you take in the lessons from the Word of God, that you apply them to the challenges in your life. And I hope the lessons give you guidance so that you live the exact life that you want to live. Whether you think about it consciously or not, every Bible lesson is a love letter directly from the Lord Jesus Christ to you. The Lord is following the directions of God the Father's plan, both His plan for all mankind and His personal plan for you. And in addition, the Lord has given you a relationship with God the Holy Spirit to lead you in to all the truth. All right, so that's all I have to say for you, to you in this lesson. The Lord will take it from here. So as you hear all of the things that you're about to hear, this is the Lord's voice talking directly to you. Welcome to your divine life coaching session. I am the Lord Jesus Christ. In today's lesson, you're invited into a personal story about your life. Please make notes immediately as you assess your life based on what you hear. I want you to use the gift of your life in a way that is unique to you, because I created you to be unique, and if you don't believe me, just look at your fingerprints. I offer you the chance to be the hero of your own life and the star in your own life's movie, but you have an enemy who offers you two other lifestyles, villain or victim. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief, Satan, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy your life. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came that you may have the resurrection life and have it abundantly. Villains build a lifestyle of rebellion against everything related to God. Victims abdicate responsibility for their life choices and blame their lack of fulfillment on everyone and everything, but never on themselves. Which lifestyle have you chosen? Hero or villain or victim? I gifted you with a soul that has several aspects and I want you to be a hero but here are the aspects of this gift that I've given you. You have mentality which is the ability to think perhaps the most important of the gifts because Christianity is a mentality first and foremost. Emotion, the ability to feel. Feeling is the expressor of appreciation toward a great mentality. Volition, you have the ability to choose. Self-consciousness, you have the awareness of your own existence. And then conscience, you have the ability to know right from wrong. The most important of these attributes is volition. You have free will as you live within my plan. You have the right to choose a lifestyle that is uniquely yours. I want you to live an intentional, focused, and balanced life. I offer you a lifestyle of freedom. The problem, you have an enemy who is offering you a lifestyle designed to rob you of your freedom, offering you a lifestyle of bondage. Unfortunately, these lifestyles seem appealing to you because there are many people around you doing the same thing. It's easy to buy into getting married, having children, buying a house, spending more money than you make, lifestyle of keeping up with the Joneses. But is this the lifestyle that you want? If not, then hidden in these choices is bondage. You know, imagine a woman who's never had kids. Sarah comes to mind. But imagine a woman who's never had kids. And everybody who has kids and they're completely miserable wants Sarah to be as miserable as they are. That's the life that we live. We live in a world that is that way. If we're miserable, we want everybody else to be miserable, and we spend a lot of time pretending that we're happy when we're not. I have provided you my thoughts about the lifestyle I want for you in the Bible. It's a guide that leads you to a lifestyle filled with truth. But most people know the language of Starbucks more than they know the language of the Bible. They can tell you that they want a Cafe Americano, half decaf, with five pumps of vanilla uh, sweetener with four stevia and a splash of oat milk, and they like paying about $8 a day for that. But they couldn't tell you who John is what he did in the Bible that was so significant. They can't tell you who Paul is and what he did that was so significant and why they won't be able to answer why the Lord would take a person like Paul who's the worst person of all time and give him one of the most important jobs in the history of mankind. Satan's kingdom he is influencing you to create a lifestyle driven by lies my plan calls for you to live the life you choose and because I am omniscient knowing all that is knowable I know the lifestyle that you will choose I have custom made tasks for you that are consistent with your lifestyle choices Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this we believers in Christ Are God the Father's workmanship, created to be in union with Christ Jesus, designed for good works, which good works God the Father prepared beforehand so that we believers in Christ would walk in them. In this personal coaching session, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, invite you to decide the kind of life you want to live. I am going to introduce you to the Ten Life Relationships. Provided as a classroom for you to learn, they offer you the chance to develop the lifestyle that you want. If you don't make the choices for your life that you want to make, you'll live the life that somebody else wants you to live. And that's a prescription for misery. On the other hand, if you use me and my word as a guide, you'll you'll live a lifestyle that is uniquely yours. And I invite you to this lifestyle a lifestyle of freedom so here's an introduction to the 10 life relationships your relationship with life is called living the lifestyle you choose reflects an identity who are you and what kind of lifestyle do you want to live
0: who are you
1: <laughs> your relationship with time is called the schedule Your relationship with time is called a schedule. You can't manage time, you can only use it. Are you using your time the way you want to use it, or are you wasting your time? Your relationship with self is called individuality. Flight attendants tell us if the oxygen mask drops down, put on your mask first before assisting the others. So the question is, how do you nurture yourself? Does the self part of your life? always slip to the back burner. Your relationship with mankind is called a career. People spend most of their waking hours at work. Is your work fulfilling, or is it just a paycheck? Your relationship with a companion is called intimacy. Life is best lived with someone. What kind of intimacy exists in your relationship with a companion? Your relationship with God is called a spiritual life. Unfortunately, the most ignored relationship in your life is your your relationship with God. Have you ever asked yourself why? How much of your scheduled time do you set aside to get to know me? Your relationship with relatives is called family. Family relationships can be filled with toxic drama. What are the family relationships you want to cultivate without feeling that you have to cultivate them? Your relationship with your body is called health. Illness can have a devastating effect on your well-being. What are you doing proactively to care for your health? Your relationship with resources is called logistics. Whenever you make a choice in the other nine relationship areas, you'll need resources to accomplish them. What organizations have you vetted to provide you with the resources you need? Your relationship with money is called finances. Many people talk about having financial freedom, but how well are you stewarding the financial resources I send your way? If you're making choices in each of these relationship areas regularly, you can live an intentional, focused, balanced, unique lifestyle you want to live. And that will make you a freak. And everybody will be trying to drag you back into the barrel like crabs in a barrel. They'll be trying to drag you back into the lifestyle that is similar to the one that they're living, which is they get up every morning, wander into the day, and hope that somehow the pigeon of success takes a dump on their head. I hear people talking about their bucket lists all the time. Do you have one? Are you doing the things on your bucket list? Or are you just talking about it? Do you just have one? But you never do anything about it? I want to go to Iceland. Okay, what day? And how much does it cost? And when are you going to book the tickets? Most people just talk about it. You can make a single choice in each of the ten relationship areas every quarter. And by doing this, you'll live the equivalent of a year every three months. So I, the Lord Jesus Christ, want to take you on a tour of these relationships so you make choices that provide you with your very own unique lifestyle. When we return from the break, we'll continue our in-depth look into the ten relationships. Take a five-minute break.
0: You picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm I'm just a no the world.
1: Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, Jesus Christ Asks. What are you doing with the life I gifted to you? What are you doing with the life that I gifted to you? In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, we are reminded to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let your giving be a reflection of God's giving. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall was one of his always inspiring offering messages..
2: Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon at Barah Ministries. I'm blessed because at Barah Ministries, we realize that the Bible isn't just a book. The Bible is supernatural. But the world wants to steal that. They want to steal the supernatural part of the Bible, because then it takes away the fact that Satan's real. It takes away what Jesus did on the cross. His blood on the cross is pointless at that point. Our faith has no basis. Our prayers, where do they go? And, you know, the offering... Is it even supernatural? So you think about it, if they can steal it from the Bible, then Satan has no power and Christ has no power. And we even see in John 10:10, 10, 10, Pastor used my verse because I think I gave him an idea about it. The thief Satan comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy your life. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came that you may have the resurrection life and have it abundantly. And abundantly speaks to something more than we expect, more than we need. So he's really going to give to us, and we can count on that, because he's supernatural. And we know that the offering is supernatural, so we don't have to worry about pastor being a thief and stealing this money. It's going to Christ, it's going to support this ministry, so others can learn about Christ, and have a relationship with Christ, and come and have some amazing lessons with all six of us. <laughs> Wait, ten of us. So, thank you for always giving it the offering, because you support a superma- supernatural ministry that believes in a Bible that's supernatural, and it's not just a book. This is a real message. The gospel is a real message of truth. And so thank you for always giving it the offering, supporting this ministry, and supporting Christ.
1: Hell yeah. You know what? When I get to heaven, I'm gonna hang out with Don Moen a lot. And I just can tell him, play that song again. Play that song again. There is none like you. Jesus Christ. There's none like him. No one. No one else can touch my heart like he does. No one. You know, and I uh, I think too much or so I've been told, because everything about me is too. You're too successful, you're too aggressive, you're too blah, blah, okay. But I'll tell you what. I have a mentality that is driven by Christ. And there are few people in this lifetime who really understand that mentality of wanting to be a champion in everything all the time. But one person who understands that mentality is Deacon Denny Goodall. And my respect for him as a human being is something that I can't even describe in words as articulate as I am. I just appreciate him. And I appreciate his loyalty. I appreciate his love of the lord i appreciate the fact that we have an eternal relationship that will never end and the people who are in barah ministries that's what it's like the people who are here i think about all the people who have passed through here all they are is a bunch of transactional people who walk around with straws in their mouth And they look for people to use, and then they put the straw in, and they suck as much as they can. And when there's nothing else coming through the straw, they're off to the next person they can put a straw in. But the people who are here at Barah Ministries are not those people. And we always feel lousy about ourselves because we don't understand why people don't understand us. People aren't going to understand that. And most people don't want that. The 5.5 billion unbelievers in the world certainly don't understand it. They think we're freaks, Bible thumpers, and the rest. But we know the truth, that this 80 to 100 years that we'll be here will come and go, and then there's all eternity. And once we close our eyes in this miserable life and move on to eternity, we'll never have to deal with any of this crap again. Amen? The ducks will be gone. Only eagles need apply, and we'll be in heaven having the garden party for the rest of our lives. Well, it's all right now, this is that garden party song. I forget who did it, but the line says, it's all right now. I've learned my lesson well. You see, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. Da-da-da, da-da-da. All right, back to work. Today's Bible lesson, Jesus Christ asked, what are you doing with the life I gifted to you? What are you doing with the life I gifted to you? So as uh, remember that this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking directly to you. Pastor Rory Clark is off sitting on the sidelines. And at this moment, I am simply a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. So he continues. As we take the tour of the life relationships... I, the Lord Jesus Christ, want to make one cho- you to make one choice in each of the ten relationships that you will focus on during the fourth quarter of this year. Fourth quarter is October 1st, 2023 to December 31st, 2023. Even before I gave you life, I created a place for you to live. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the God is Jehovah Elohim, also known as God the Son, the Lord, who took on the human form as Jesus Christ. He created the heavens and the earth, and he did it so that his believers in Christ would have a place to live. And after making a place for you to live, I selected the perfect parents for you and brought you to them. Then I gifted you with the ten life relationships. Your relationship with life is called living. So here are the questions that you need to answer. Who are you? What difference does it make that you're on the planet? What is your purpose in life? That middle question is one that you should just try asking. This week, ask three people that question. Joe, what difference does it make that you're on the planet? And then don't say anything after that, just watch. Watch the expression, watch the mannerism, watch the words, listen to it. Because uh, a question like that requires thoughtful reflection. When you ask yourself tough questions and then you answer them, you elevate your life to a new level, a level above the everyday noise that occupies your life. Because when we get too, too deep into the weeds of life, we forget that this life has a greater purpose. You are unique. You are one of a kind. There is no one like you in the world. You think there's none like me? There's none like you. You are as individual as your fingerprints. So how well are you cultivating your individuality? Well, the truth of the matter is most of the time we're not. We're running away from our individuality as fast as we can because we want to fit in. We don't fit in in Satan's kingdom. We don't fit in. We will never fit in. Slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted him, they'll persecute us. We will never fit in. And if you fit in, you should be worried. Because we are in the world, but we are not of the world. If you start acting like you are of the world, quack, 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 little duck, that's not us. So who are you? That asks the question... That gets to the core of your very identity. Well, let's examine your spiritual identity. As a believer in me, you are a child of God. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this, As many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. Each of the Apostle Paul's letters are addressed to my saints. Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God the Father to the saints, not sinners, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in union with Jesus Christ. You are a priest representing yourself before God, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you believers in Christ are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I have a friend. His name is Norbert Chigoya. He likes riding Harleys. He has a ponytail. He's got a messed up thumb. So he gets on his I'm sorry, okay. Let me get my composure. So he gets on his bike and he rides up in front of his house. And he's one of 13 kids, so about 80 people come out to greet him. And he gets off the bike and he says, Hey, I don't know whether you guys know this or not, but I'm a royal priest. I am a child of God and I am a saint. And they say, Shut up, Norbert, and take out the garbage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to look at us and think that we are any of these things or this is consistent with our identity. You are an ambassador, representing me, the Lord Jesus Christ, in Satan's kingdom of darkness. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this, Therefore, we believers in Christ are ambassadors for Christ, as though God the Father were making an appeal through us, because he is. And we beg you unbelievers on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God the Father, to act as if there is no barrier to the relationship between you and the Father. From the moment of your salvation, you have possessed the absolute righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says this, God the Father made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God the Father in union with him. So at the moment of salvation, God the Holy Spirit baptizes you, the baptism of the Spirit, places you into union with Christ, and Christ and the Father give you their righteousness, and now you have your admission ticket to heaven. You're saved once and for all time. You can never lose it. So a few aspects of your spiritual identity. You are a child of God. You are a saint. You are a priest. You are an ambassador. You are an absolutely righteous one. You don't see yourself that way. But God sees you that way. The people around you don't see you that way. And as a matter of fact, they spend most of their time reminding you of what a piece of shit you are. And when they do, you listen to them and you forget that you are a child of God, saint, priest, ambassador, absolutely righteousness, righteous one, redeemed, reconciled, justified, in union with Christ. I can go on and on about your spiritual identity. Those are just a few things that describe your spiritual identity. So how is this royal status showing up in your everyday life? My wish for you is that this identity drives a purpose in your life. What if your purpose in life was simply to provide the gospel message to every person you meet? If you embrace this life, you would have a life of significance. What is your human identity as you see it? So you have the spiritual identity, but you also have a human identity, and that is the way you want to come off to the world. You can select seven words that describe your human identity, define them, and give examples of where each identity trait shows up in your life. So how do you choose to live? How will others see you when they are seeing the real you? For example, you may see yourself as generous. Well, how do I reflect who I am to others? I might say, I am generous. What does that mean, Rory? I am willing to give of myself and my possessions to benefit others. Okay, you got any examples? Yeah, living the gift of pastor-teacher by creating Bible study lessons for the hearers that God provides every single week of my life for the last quarter of a century is a reflection of that. It's generosity. It's something that I'm grateful to do. Yeah, whatever, man. Take out the garbage. Okay. Okay. Yep, that's the way it is when you choose to be great. So what are the seven things that reflect your human identity that you can select and define in the fourth quarter of this year? First and foremost, so you know who you are, but secondarily that others can know who you are if they want to, and most people will never want to get to know you and will never want to know who you are, and that includes family members there are people in your family who will never want to know who you are. They will never know who you are because they are transactional people. They walk around with a straw. They stick the straw in you. They look to suck out everything they can. And when there's nothing else coming out because you kind of get tired of it and you just retreat and withdraw, then they go off and find somebody else to put a straw in. And they will never ever change. You know why? Because transactional people don't know how to have a relationship, don't want to have a relationship. And so they will never understand you because you approach, as Christians, we approach things as partnerships. And transactional people don't understand partnerships. They only understand transactions. They think you're transactional because they're transactional and they just want to suck the life out of you if they can and it's quite discouraging to people who are partnership oriented. That's why we need to gather around like-minded people all the time so that we don't get discouraged by the world and the quacking ducks. Quack, 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 People who want to be like us but who don't want to do the work. People who want to enjoy the feeling of being a champion and having done none of the work that it takes to be a champion. So... What are the seven things that reflect your human identity that you can select and define in the fourth quarter of this year so you know who you are and you can rest comfortably in that? Your relationship with time is called the schedule. You have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, 365 days a year. You have 168 hours a week. You sleep 56 of those hours. So you have 112 waking hours each week. You hear me? 112 waking hours each week. How are you using your gift of time? Are you using your time on the things that are most important to you? If you don't choose what is most important to you, you can't use your time on the things that are most important to you, and that's the problem for most people. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 warns, Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. This encourages you to redeem the time, to purchase your time from slavery to meaningless things. And when you use your time on the things you want to use it on, you are redeeming the time. For at least 30 scheduled minutes a day, you can look ahead to the next day and schedule your use of time on the things that you consider most important. For every event in your life, you can choose a start time and an end time. And as you make this approach to time a habit, you'll learn where you're wasting your time. For me, I waste my time watching sports. I waste my time following teams that don't want to win. They break my heart. It's really discouraging. And then I sit around sucking my thumb, pe- curled up in the fetal position, and hoping that it's going to change when I know it's not because I've had 68 years of experience knowing that it hasn't changed, that there are some people who want to win and there's some people who don't. I want to win. I want to be associated with those who want to win. And I don't root for teams that, are, that share my viewpoint, which is my fault. Parkinson's Law says work expands to fill the time you allot to it. Work expands to fill the time you allot to it. That's why everything ought to have a start time and an end time. You Set up a 15-minute meeting. Everything you need to get done will get done in that 15-minute meeting. What do we do most of the time? We set up an hour meeting, and it's really a critical 15 minutes. The rest is 45 minutes of wasted time. So the question is, what's the one thing you want to change about how you use your time in the fourth quarter of this year? Your relationship with self is called individuality. So the question is, what are you doing to nurture yourself? A better question might be, what nurtures you? Is it trips to the spa for regular massages? Is it reading? Is it learning? Is it playing a game? Is it watching movies? Is it obsessing about sports? Unfortunately, self usually is the thing that you think of least or think of last because the ruler of this world has convinced you that thinking about yourself is selfish. It is not. Mark chapter 12, verse 31 says this, You shall love your neighbor unconditionally just as you love yourself unconditionally. Do you love yourself unconditionally? No, you don't. Do you love yourself as much as you love others? No, you don't. Do you consider nurturing yourself a priority? No, you don't. What's one thing you want to do in the fourth quarter of this year that you've been putting off? The one thing you want to do for yourself. Your relationship with mankind is called a career. Are you doing what you would do for free and getting paid for it? How does your career contribute to mankind? If you're spending one-third of your waking hours at work, shouldn't you enjoy it? Is your job fulfilling? Are you putting off doing what you want to do for fear that you won't command the salary you need to thrive? If you feel that way, you have a faith problem because God's responsible for providing you with logistical grace. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, if you haven't ever checked that out. Do you keep your current job because it's too hard to decide what you really want to do or because you just don't want to take the time to think about yourself and to think about what you really want to do? If fear guides your life, it cuts off your thinking and perverts your faith. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say this, Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Jesus, and he will direct your path straight. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8 says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He'll be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. We don't believe that. People don't believe that. They don't believe I'm going to come through for them. And so what do they do? They sell themselves out. They sell themselves short. You can count on me, the Lord Jesus Christ, to get what you want when you decide what you want. You can't get what you want till you know what you want. If you could be doing what you love and getting paid for it, what would you do? Your relationship with a companion is called intimacy. Who is the special someone that you love? Who is the person you trust the most? Presumably, the person you consider to be your companion is special to you? How much time do you set aside to nurture this relationship? What are you doing together that's enjoyable to you? How much time do you spend intentionally being together? How much time do you spend in intimate conversation? What are the adventures you plan together to create memories? These are just a few of the things that create intimacy in relationships. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this, Then the Lord God said it's not good for the man to be alone, so I will make for him a helper, suitable for him. So what's one thing you'd like to focus on in the fourth quarter of this year with your intimate companion? Now the challenge of this is this. When there are two people involved, you have to come up with solutions that work for both people, not just solutions that work for one. And you will not always have a companion who is cooperative with wanting to develop intimacy. You may be in a relationship with a person who's transactional, a person who just has a straw in the mouth looking to suck what they can get out of you, and then when there's nothing else coming through the straw, they discard you. But every relationship is not like that, a friend of mine once told me. And I believed her, and she was right, And so when you think about this companion area of your life, we all want a companion, and we want somebody that's completely compatible with us. Prayer is what brings that person to you. Your relationship with God is called a spiritual life. What is one thing you want to change in your approach to the development of your spiritual life? Put that up real quick, Vinny. Your relationship with God is called a spiritual life, so what's the one thing you want to change in your approach to the development of your spiritual life? Well, what's the next step in your spiritual growth? For example, have you studied Paul's letter to the Romans, which is the foundational book of church-age biblical Christianity? What studies do you do in the week that are self-directed rather than pastor-led? What is the status of your prayer life? Are you praying for yourself, for your friends, and for your enemies on a scheduled basis? Because scheduling time to cultivate your relationship with me every day, this is the Lord Jesus Christ talking, through the study of the word of God keeps you grounded in truth and helps you discern the lies being sold to you by the kingdom of death and darkness. Your relationship with relatives is called family. Who are the members of your family of choice? Your family is not necessarily the people who have the same blood running through their veins. Remember what I said to you on several occasions and several passages. Matthew chapter 10, verse 36 says this. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Or remember Mark chapter 6, verse 4. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and even in his own household. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50 say this, While Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Matthew twelve forty-seven. Someone said to Jesus, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Matthew twelve forty-eight. Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Matthew 12, 49. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mothers and my brothers. Matthew 12, 50. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. In light of the challenges inherent in families, Who are the members of your family of choice? Who are the people who are supportive of you? How much of your time is spent around those people to free your life of drama? What's one way that you want to change your interactions with your family members of choice in the fourth quarter of this year? Your relationship with your body is called health. So the question is, what are you doing proactively to care for your health? Consider yourself to be in charge of your own health care. Do you have a relationship with the most reputable health care organization in your area? Because let's face it, doctors are different in their abilities, and you might as well be with the best instead of the rest. Do you have a primary care physician? Who can refer you to the specialists that care for health maladies you have? Are your health care physicians competent? Are they students of the profession? Are they up to date with the latest technologies to care for your specific ailments? Do they do what does what they recommend work? You need to make that assessment because that's the thing that probably irritates me more than anything in life is when I pay to get expertise, I'm willing to do what the experts say, they tell me what to do, I do it, and it doesn't work, they get paid, and I get nothing. That irritates me. So what ailments are specific to you? What genetic predispositions do you have that you would do well to watch proactively? I know in my family there are heart attacks and strokes and cancer and diabetes. So those are the things that I have been watching in my lifetime. What I didn't watch is my vision. (laughs) And all of a sudden, oh, you have severe glaucoma and it's not reversible. Great. So the question is this. What's one thing you want to change about how you manage your health care in the fourth quarter of this year? Your relationship with resources is called logistics. What relationships do you need to establish with trusted suppliers to feed the things you want to do in the other nine relationships? The great thing about the ten life relationships is they interact with each other. They're not separate and distinct because it's your life. And when you decide to go on a trip then, you'll need resources to accomplish your objective. You'll need flights, a hotel, perhaps a car, or some other form of ground transportation, places to eat, all kinds of fun things. You're out of your element. You need to go into the new place and recreate your comfort zone. But have you ever once thought about American Airlines or Marriott Hotels or Uber as logistics resources? Because they are. The businesses you trust to supply your needs when you want to do things, come into the heading of logistics coordination. Who is your plumber? Who is your electrician? Who cares for your car? These are logistic resources. So in the fourth quarter of this year, take a look at your resource list. Who do you trust to supply your logistics Your relationship with money is called finances. What makes you a great steward of your financial resources? When you get a check, do you pay yourself first into an untouchable savings account, 10% of what you make? Do you know how to invest in things that are based on math principles that provide predictable returns on your investment? Math is predictable. There is no luck in math. Have you heard of index funds, a predictable way to get 10% on your money all the time without even thinking about it? Have you read any good books on how to protect your investments so that you get the benefit of your investments rather than giving away your earnings to people who don't have your best interests in mind? If you don't work on your finances consciously, you'll never get to financial freedom. The point in your life when you are set for life financially. Three million dollars in the bank kicking off three three hundred thousand a year, ten percent a year, three hundred thousand a year, without ever touching the three million again, you're set for life financially. It could be a million kicking off a hundred grand, it could be two million kicking off two hundred grand, it could be three million kicking off three hundred grand, it could be a million kicking off whatever ten percent of a million is. It's easy to put yourself in the position to be set for life financially if you allow yourself to learn how to do it. It's a learned skill. It's not something that was inborn. How much time do you spend learning about how to manage, how to steward your money? And I will tell you that if you want to know, watch the series on Netflix called How to Get Rich and watch the people talking about finances and how ignorant they are about managing financial resources. There are many people, though, who are good at it, and they're always willing to share their wisdom if you're seeking it. I expect you to be good stewards of the financial blessings, says the Lord Jesus Christ, and I entrust you uh, these blessings to you and I want you to use them effectively. Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 to 30 say this, for it was just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Matthew twelve 25, 14. I'm sorry, Matthew 25:15. To the one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, to another he gave one talent, to each according to his own ability and he went on a journey Matthew 25:16 immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents Matthew 25:17 in the same manner the one who had received two talents gained two more Matthew 25:18 but he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money Matthew 25:19 now after a long time the master of these slaves came and settled accounts with them Matthew 25:20 20. The one who had received 5 talents came up and brought 5 more talents saying master you entrusted 5 talents to me see I have gained 5 more talents Matthew chapter 25 verse 21 His master said to him well done good and faithful slave you were faithful with a few things I will put you in charge of many things enter into the joy Of your master. Matthew chapter twenty five, verse twenty-two. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me, see, I have gained two more talents. Matthew twenty-five, twenty-three, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Matthew twenty-five, twenty-four. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Matthew 25, 25. And I was afraid, so I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. Matthew 25, 26. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew... That I reap where I did not sow, and gathered where I scattered no seed. Matthew twenty-five twenty-seven. Then you ought to put my money in the bank. And on my, my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Matthew twenty-five twenty-eight. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Matthew twenty-five twenty-nine. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. For from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Matthew 25, 30. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Of course, this lesson is about much more than money. It's a lesson about life, the spiritual life. You see, Jesus Christ is who he is. And there are some people who see that and some people who refuse to see that. Believers see that and want to be on his team. Unbelievers refuse to see it and they make him into something that he isn't. That was Satan's entire program. This is a lesson about your spiritual life. Many people aren't good stewards of their financial blessings, but even more are not good stewards of their spiritual lives. And even more, aren't good stewards of their lives, period. What's one thing you want to change? And how you handle your finances in the fourth quarter of this year. Well, in this divine personal coaching session, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, invite you to decide the kind of lifestyle you want to live. I've introduced you to the ten life relationships provided you as classrooms in which you can learn to develop the lifestyle you want, now that you've been introduced to the intricacies of this life, you've been gifted. Will you handle your life differently? Or are you committed to Satan's worldview of how to handle your life? whack whack, 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 whack. Ducks, a life of bondage and deception is your choice. I give you back to Pastor Rory Clark. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. It was really a pleasure to hear you teach this divine life coaching lesson. I hope you enjoyed this look into your life, and I look forward to talking to you about it. If you followed along with the divine coaching lesson, you probably made 10 choices of things you want to do with your life in the fourth quarter of this year. Your first take on these 10 things is in the raw state, but over the next months, before fourth quarter, you can continue to refine these ideas. To make them more and more specific and more and more doable, pick one thing in each area and accomplish it between October and December. And then do that four times next year and having done that five times, you will adopt this as your lifestyle. That You will have a life that's unique to you, that is performance based because you do the things you want to do, but more importantly that is fulfilling to you, that you're doing the things you enjoy. If you don't like spinach and you eat spinach, you're a knucklehead. Because you should not be eating things you don't like. You should be finding out what you do like and eating those things. If you follow this advice, you'll change your approach to life. You'll have a performing life. You'll have a fulfilling life as a result. So that was the Coeur d'Alene Conference. I always enjoy... The Coeur d'Alene Conference, because John and Monica Miller are great friends, two decades long friends. The people who come to that conference are people who care about each other and who care about life and who care about the Lord. And many of us who come to that conference can't get out of our own way. We're all tied up in our past. We're tied up in our mistakes. We're focused on all the wrong things because... We're human, and that's what we do as human beings. Oh, man, I was divorced twice. Oh, man, I don't have a relationship with my kids. Oh, man, I wish I had finished graduate school. Oh, man, I wish I had not eaten so much on vacation and gained 10 pounds, and now i got to get it off. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. God, you suck. Okay, we know it. <sighs> we suck. Lord, take over. The cross has made you flawless. You're a child of God. You're a saint. You have absolute righteousness. You're a priest. You're an ambassador. You're in union with Christ. You're redeemed. You're reconciled. You're justified by faith i don't have time to go into all this but that's what i have to say to you well thank you lord for that because we look forward to forgetting that as soon as we walk out this door as soon as we're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts us cuts us off we give them the finger and we forget about everything we just heard about how you look at us and how you look at us is not how we look at ourselves because satan is constantly prompting us to think of ourselves as lesser than we are. He's constantly seeking to lure us off the victorious ground. Don't let it happen. The closing moments of our lesson today could be the ten most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. Everyone listening to this gospel message should know that the Lord Jesus Christ is your creator. John chapter 1 verse 3 says this, All things came into being through the Lord God the Son, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. First John chapter 4 verse 8 says, The one who does not love unconditionally, doesn't know the Lord. For the Lord is unconditional love in his very being. If you think these things are true, you have to conclude there is no reason for you to end up in the lake of fire, commonly referred to as hell, when you close your eyes in this life. To go to heaven, you have to choose a relationship with Christ. God considers you to be a sinner from the moment of physical birth. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, you were spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins from the moment of physical birth. That's not your fault, but it is your circumstance. Spiritually dead sinners need a savior. And the savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord sent this message to you, the gospel message, good news about his salvation offer because he wants a relationship with you. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this. That is what is good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires all men to be saved and who desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's something the Lord doesn't want for you. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient toward unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance, which is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You will go to the lake of fire at physical death if you choose not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you choose not to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. To make a place for you in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ forgives all your sins. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25 says this, I, you and I, the Lord, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Who is this God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, which say this, I, the Apostle Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for your sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. You don't have to work to be saved. In fact, you can't work to be saved. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says this, if salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer based on your works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. This loving, forgiving, patient God offers you the chance to be saved as a free gift, and he wants you to be saved right this minute, right where you sit, right now. In this place, in this moment in time, you can tell God the Father that you are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. So heed the warning and accept the invitation. of John chapter 3 verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. The Lord wants those who reject his salvation offer to know this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Then the Lord Jesus Christ will say to those on his left, and that's a reference to unbelievers, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Angels, believe me, you never want to hear those words. When you get to know Jesus Christ, you have no problem placing your confidence in him, both for your salvation and for anything else. Why? Because you'll know that the sovereign God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He loves you unconditionally. He died for you so you can take advantage of his grace and choose to be saved make the right choice. Well, let's close with some music. You believers in Christ, you children of God. Is that what he told us today? You're children of God. Here's June Murphy to remind us of that with her song, You Own Me.
3: it be yours.
1: Care what anybody says, June can still sing. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I miss her. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for enlightening us with a different way to look at our lives. Help us to follow this path of change and to master it with your help. Give us the courage to be unique in a world of conformity. Help us to know that in our uniqueness you're behind us, in front of us, on the side of us, on top of us, underneath us. And that you are the one who are propelling us into this kingdom of darkness as a light that shines. Help us to realize that light should not be put under a bushel. Help us to trust each other. Help us to value each other. Help us to put aside our pettiness. Help us to put aside our desire to be superior to others and instead inspire us to simply be reflections of you father to simply follow the guidance of god the holy spirit to simply reflect the lord jesus christ in everything we do we ask this through the power of god the holy spirit in christ's name say it with me amen Amen. thanks for coming thanks for watching thanks for listening we're going to discuss the lesson and have prayer circle right after this if you got biblical questions, ask the pastor, pastor dot com. I always look forward to getting nothing in that inbox every week. And keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.